0: Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz and this is episode 151, Advice from a Bookseller, an interview with Jody Brandt, coming to you on Thursday, July 25th, 2019. This is going to be such an interesting interview. I tell you, no matter what your interests are, Jody has some kind of tangential thing that he also does that (laughs) so many of the things I was like, I didn't know that about you. So if you are interested in what sort of advice a bookseller can give you on how to um, work with a bookstore to maybe do a book signing or some sort of event, Jody's your man. If you're interested in tabletop game design, Jody's your man. <laughs> we also talk about books and writing and all sorts of things. So this is a really fun interview. I think it'll be really helpful to a lot of people. At the very moment that you are downloading and listening to this, I have just gotten back from backpacking through Germany Very exciting. I hope I will let you know in the next episode exactly how that was. Never gone backpacking before, but I will tell you it's not the sort of thing that you see in a movie. It's not the Lord of the Rings where I'm hiking along a mountaintop. It is me taking a train or a bus to a town, dropping off my backpack, hopefully at the hotel, (laughs) and then wandering around town and doing things and seeing things and eating things and experiencing things, and then going to the hotel to sleep in a bed and... Take a shower in a shower. (laughs) So, but I've never, I've never carried everything around with me on my back before. So, that would be interesting. Hopefully, I feel like I'm in good enough shape for it. <laughs> um, but anyway, it'll be totally fun, I'm sure. Uh, our friend Dwight is flying over from California, and uh, he's already been to Germany a few times. So he pretty much uh, has a whole schedule planned out for us. It's going to be a lot of fun. I am currently in summer vacation mindset right now. All I really want to do is read, relax, read, Uh go to the beach, um, read. (laughs) But as a matter of fact, we spent two days relaxing and two days house cleaning because like I said, we're about to have company. So um, I'm sure Germany will be super fun. But when we get back from it, I will be laying in my hammock reading. Yes, that is exactly one of the Big, big things I wanted to do during my vacation. If you are having summer vacation, I hope that you have found some great books to read. I am about two-thirds of the way through Stephen King's The Dead Zone, which I've never read. I've only seen the movie. So I was finally like, I should really actually read the book. It's very interesting. I like it. And I have a small pile of other books that must be read. I think I'm on book 14 of the Dresden Files, and I've been waiting until I can just sit down and just gorge on it, you know, just not get up from reading. (laughs) And then book three of, anyway, I talk about it a little bit when Jodi and I are talking about what we're reading. I'm pretty sure it's in the recording of the interview. It could have been when he and I were just talking afterwards. Anyway, fun interview, very interesting. I know you're going to like it, so I'll let you get to it. Remember, we are still on the summer schedule, so the next episode will come out in two weeks. I believe the date is Thursday, August 8th. Yep. And um, Marianne H. Donley will be talking to us about anthologies, creating and publishing your own anthologies with a group of writers. Uh, pros and cons list so you know whether or not this is or isn't something that sounds like a good plan for you. So that is also going to be a very fun and interesting and informative interview. So we will uh, let you listen to Jody now. Looking forward to talking to Marianne later. And whatever you are doing, I hope that you are having a fabulous day. Getting some reading in, getting some writing done, and uh, making sure that you're taking care of yourself. A little bit of relaxing where you need it. As well as, you know, we all hope that we can conquer that to do list. So I hope you get some of that done too. Have a great day, and here's Jody. Today's guest is Jody Brandt. Jody is the senior bookseller and curator for science fiction, fantasy, and games at Brilliant Books. He is also a published tabletop game designer and host of the Questwise YouTube channel. Jody lives with his wife and three daughters in Northern Michigan. Welcome, Jody.
1: Hello, how are you?
0: I'm great. It's so good to see you. I haven't seen you, like, live face-to-face, even though we're, you know, thousands of miles away for a couple of years now.
1: Yeah, it has been a while. It has been a while.
0: Yeah. So I thought maybe we'd just start by giving people a little bit of a background. You and I officially met, I think, at Cherry Capital Comic Con in Traverse City several years ago.
1: Yeah, I think it, that's that was probably the first time we did meet. Um, uh, I think it was through... Talking with uh, like uh, the guys from top comics, yeah and Mike I Ackerley think. and stuff, yeah, yeah yeah
0: Mike is one of those guys who knows an awful lot of people
1: <laughs> sure does, he sure does,
0: yeah, uh, so you and I met, and we knew that we were both you know book industry people, but um, then we started talking about additional other interests that were related, like the fact that um, I think your wife also, but all four of us do some gaming to one extent or another. We talked about that. and
1: Yeah, yeah, my wife, uh, she really likes to do um, like traditional games, board games, that kind of stuff, Catan. Uh, in fact, just last night, we played a, a very heated game of Scrabble, um, <laughs> which I, I quickly lost, but uh, no, it's, yeah, absolutely.
0: Nice. Well, then it occurred to me before we were setting up the interview that I don't really know much about how you got to where you are. So, you know, senior bookseller at an independent bookstore and, you know, yeah. your life as I know you is pretty much a, um, a book nerd and a game nerd. And so why don't we just start with like, how did you get to be involved in the industry the way that you are now?
1: Uh, so I was in college, um, 1990, gosh, 1994, 95, Such a long time ago. (laughs) Right. Uh, uh, and, uh, while I was there, I was studying history, uh, and mythology and languages. And, uh, I knew that I had to get some kind of a job to kind of support, you know, (laughs) the, the, the college days. Uh, so I started working for Borders in Ann Arbor, uh, store number one right downtown Ann Arbor.
0: Wow. And,
1: yeah. Uh, and so I worked for them for a while. And when I left college and came home, uh, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with this degree, uh, I did a couple odd jobs here and there, but then jumped back into working for Borders here in the local area.
0: Wow. And
1: once that was kind of in decline, <laughs> as it were, yeah. Uh, I had started looking around and found a small independent store uh, here in Traverse City uh, that's called uh, Brilliant Books, and I've been there for almost eight years now. So, wow. Yeah, so I've been a, I've been a bookseller for a pretty long time, um, but uh, as far as like reading and how I got to sort of the level I'm at today was probably uh, when I was really young I grew up with my grandparents and we lived about 17 miles from the nearest town so we lived out in the woods on this lake and um, you know most of my friends that I went to school with lived you know further into town so I didn't have a lot of interaction after school and stuff with them yeah and um, there was uh, an elderly woman who lived just on the other side of the lake from us and I would go over and I would help her like wash her windows and mow her lawn and stuff. And, but instead of paying me cash, she would feed me lunch and let me borrow any book in her cabin.
0: Oh, wow. Um,
1: so, and I had to finish the book before I could bring it back. Uh, and so I was reading things that were way above my level at the time. I started off with um, Ken Follett's old spy novels and um, uh, the mammoth hunter series by Jean All. Right. Uh some of the stuff that was for, you know, a, 14-year-old kid was probably way, way too much for me, uh, but it wasn't until uh, that she introduced me to uh, Terry Brooks and, like, the Sword of Shannara stuff, right. uh, as well as, as Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, that I knew that those were the things I wanted to interact with the rest of my life, so I went wow. from there into everything fantasy I could find and um, have, have never looked back, so...
0: Oh man, she just sounds like the kind of person that, I don't know. I mean, were you ever able to, like, after you realized what a huge influence that she'd been, were you ever able to really thank her for that? That's amazing. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Years later, uh, um, it must have been after college at some point, she was having a big birthday party. Uh, this was probably a few years before she passed away. I would say it's probably like, it must have been like an 85th or maybe 90th birthday party. Uh, we went to go, and, and family and friends showed up, and everything in this big banquet hall. And um, one of the things I used to do uh, every year was I would read the Hobbit aloud to her. Oh. So I would sit, yeah. So I would sit, and it would take a couple of days, but we would I would read the entire thing to her, and it would be like a thing we would do like at least once a year. Uh, and so I got to talk to her about that and thank her for sending me on that path and stuff as well, too. which then blossomed into writing and. Game designing and interacting with other authors and stuff. Yeah.
0: Well too, so. yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. What a great story. Yeah. I love this story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, listen. Okay. So, our listeners are probably all writers, um, sure. probably mostly fiction, though I'm sure some nonfiction people. I'm sure that there are some people like me who do a little bit of gaming and people like you who are big gamer geeks. It's always okay. hard to say, but it seems like. Um, uh, being a c- part of a, a creative industry, like there's a whole bunch of side bits of creativity that always come through in one way or another. So um, let's talk about, so so I'm happy to talk about any of these things with you, but specifically let's talk about um, the very basics of what it means to be a bookseller, um, how you look at buying and selling books, and then things that you feel like authors probably don't really understand. I'm sure that there's a ton of stuff that you know that we don't, but also, you know, kind of moving into what, if we understood it better, we could do our jobs better or work with people like you better. So wherever you want to start there.
1: Sure. Um, I guess the most important thing uh, for an author to know, especially if if it's, if you're early on in your career um, and, and looking to sort of start that market um and 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 nowadays it's 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 interesting because it's so much easier to become to sort of self-publish and to um uh to to get your work uh into a printable you know printed format um thing but the sometimes that can be tough because without a publisher to help you distribute or to market your stuff you kind of have to do that yourself we see that a lot there's a lot of local authors who have amazing talent uh and just don't have that sort of big publisher behind them to push stuff so i think the important thing for for those those kind of people to remember is that um uh there's so many books out there and so it's you know we want to make sure that we have uh, that your book sort of fits all those other things we want we want to make sure that you're on par with, you know, those people who have those great things. So the things that we're looking for mostly are, um, uh, your patience with us first and foremost. Uh, one of the things we do at brilliant books is that we have a, a special page on our website that tells you everything that we would like to see from you. So we don't want you to just drop a book off on a Saturday when it's super busy. There's, I mean, it will get lost in the shuffle. I promise you it will get lost somewhere. Um, but you know, to go to our website and just look at make sure that you you know you have uh, you know your editing, everything taken care of, uh, that the book is ready to go, um, that um that you fit the type of bookstore you're going for. Now we're we're right. a pretty general bookstore, um, but you don't want to bring your your fantasy bookstore or you know, your fantasy book into like a, a store that specializes in mysteries and those kind of things. So make sure you know the market that you're working with and stuff as well. Um but also uh, just know that that uh, we want to have your book. we want to make sure that you get out there and have people see you um, and so um, we, it, sometimes it takes a little bit of time and you have to you know understand that patience is kind of the key there as well too. Um, it might take us a week or two to look over everything and make sure that you're, you know there 's a good spot for you and that you fit well and that kind of thing as well too. but yeah, um, yeah I think it 's an amazing time period right now where there's a lot of people. Uh, who are writing amazing stuff um, and trying to do it in a more a less traditional route um, where, where you're self-publishing and self-marketing. Um, you know, e-books are huge right now uh, as well too, um, which we don't deal a lot with, but um, it's understandable. And there's been a lot of great authors who have started as like e-book or, or podcast type things that are now extremely popular, you know, full-selling novels and stuff. As
0: yeah. As well. Yeah, of course, you know, um, we read the the major success stories like uh, Andy Weir and The Martian and some of the others. Sure. Um, but there's also, you know, smaller success stories of people, um, both in traditional publishing and self-publishing, that you've never heard of, but they're paying their house payment with their writing. And I always want to help people to remember that this is not, you don't have to just hit the lottery. You can just make a decent living and and, and do it.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, I guess that was going to be another thing that I would caution right away too. Is that a lot of people, and I, and I actually this just happened to me uh, the other day. I had a friend who said uh, he contacted me and said, "Guess what? I just quit my job of fourteen years. I'm going to be a full time writer."
0: Oh no! And
1: I, and I had to stop him and be like, "Okay, look, like, like, let's think about this <laughs> in the broad spectrum." and just let him know that like I knew a lot of best-selling authors who were still working full-time jobs. Um, but luckily he had, he had planned for things and had enough Uh money set, set aside that he could devote this time to actually writing and stuff as well. So that's something to keep in mind too. Um, there is, there is a chance for success out there, but it's very, um, it's a, it's a finicky, uh, you know, job to get into. And, uh, um, sometimes it takes longer than expected to actually get, you know, to that, uh, point where you can actually pay, you know, pay your way. So I always try to caution people when they jump into being a writer that it, it will take time. Um, and it does take a lot of hard work, uh, yeah. especially if you're self publishing and self marketing and distributing and stuff too. So, yeah. but it is possible. Oh, it's absolutely possible. I think, um, right now is a huge time. There's a lot of people who are looking back at traditional bookstores and um you know actual printed books and i think there's sort of that revival and i don't know if it's a i don't know if it's in conjunction with the whole retro craze that's going on right now like the you know the love of things like like stranger things that the return to the 80s and 90s is huge right now yeah. and i don't know if the printed book world is part of that uh or if it's just the people that are coming to realize that they they have always really appreciated books, um, and, and would prefer to have a real book in the hand than actually have, you know, a screen to read off from, so.
0: Right. I was just thinking about what you said, and, um, you know, the huge success of Ready, Ready Player One, but it's not like, well, I don't think, and you tell me, um, Ready Player One didn't do for, uh, 80s retro you know fan media um what harry potter did for you know middle grade um uh fantasy and and magic stuff so i'm not sure it's interesting because it seems to be more in film and tv doesn't it i mean are you seeing it more uh ready player one type stuff in books
1: a little bit yeah you're right i i hadn't really thought about that but um to some degree, yes. There's been quite a few books that have come out that sort of try to emulate um, that that sort of retro feel. Um, uh, in fact, uh, um, Neil Stevenson just has a new one out that's called Fall. It's about a, a about a gentleman who created a a um, you know multi player online video game world um it's it's i, I don't want to compare it to ready player one because it is a completely different story yeah. But That theme the theme is there um and in fact there's even um uh official uh stranger things novels out now that tell a little bit wider story ah. of sort of prequel and and, and kind of concurrent with the storylines and stuff as well too so i think that I think it's pretty much just the craze like whatever's seems to be popular tends to feed a lot more um and you, you you'll see especially if you if you watch a lot of the trends in book selling um you'll see the sort of the highs and lows. like vampires were huge for a very long time um you know when when twilight was really big you saw a lot of other authors diving onto that craze yeah. um world war Two is huge right now uh all the light we cannot see was the first one in that series or that I't say series that that sort of genre, uh, and there are you know dozens of other authors doing that now, and they're all hitting bestseller lists and stuff so yeah. uh, it's interesting to see you know zombies and video games and whatever it happened might be um, there's you, you, you can see the trends sort of coming and going like waves yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's interesting, that whole World War II thing. I knew that there were um, some kind of historical women's fiction. uh, I I interviewed an author that is sort of a historical women's fiction World War II author. I'm probably not describing her quite quite Mm -hmm. right. Um, But then I had another author on who took a real World War II story and made it into a fantasy novel that just came out called We Rule the Night. So it's about the Russian... What are they called? The something witches, the Russian night witches. Night
1: witches, sure, sure. Yeah,
0: and so she made this um, totally magic fantasy uh, book based on that story called "We Rule the Night." You have to check it out. It just came out in April.
1: (laughs) There's an amazing uh, to get off on sort of a little tangent. uh, There's an amazing role playing game out right now that's called Night Witches as well. So it's an independent (gasps) game um, where you play one of the women. Uh, who who flew these missions and during the day you're bartering and trading for uh, the stuff that you need for your your plane and then at night you're flying these missions as well too but uh, i want to
0: play that (laughs) it's
1: it's very cool and that's the great thing about um uh the 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 love of the genre right now, like fantasy and all that kind of stuff, is that that, we're in sort of a golden age, not only of fiction, but of of role-playing games and stuff as well, too, storytelling games as
0: well. Yeah, yeah. I have learned so much about um, video games since working at a video game company. You know, it's just a few months, but all of a sudden I'm beginning to see that there is a whole bunch of stuff that is not – that doesn't have billboards, you know, and bus signs. Um, And it's hugely popular. I'd never heard of it because I'd never seen an ad for it. And it's, you know, not something that until now I was really aware of in any way, but I'm like, holy cow, there's just, there's all these kinds of games everywhere. And it just seems like there's more and more. Um, Malmo, where I live in Sweden, um, we are I'm not sure what exactly is happening, but we're suddenly like growing into a little startup game hub, you know, in addition to the, the bigger players that are here. So sure. it's really interesting.
1: That's awesome. And the thing that's always really fascinated me too, is how many people um, uh, who, who have become really big name authors um, have attributed to gaming to their success, whether it be role-playing games or video games. Um, The one that always strikes me as really interesting is uh, Juno Diaz uh, who came from, I want to say Cuba, uh, Puerto Rico when he was a small boy. Uh, And he has this amazing story about how they being people of color didn't have heroes in America at that time period back in the seventies and eighties who were like them. And so they had picked up a copy of Dungeons and Dragons and just, decided to become their own heroes and then strike out on these adventures and create their own stories. And he attributes that as being a very big uh, success story for him to eventually become a writer and to become, you know, a, a more proficient storyteller. Wow. Um, Oliver, oh, I'll never remember his last name. Is it Potts? Oliver. Oh, he's a German writer. Uh, he wrote the hangman's daughter series, okay. um, which are historical set in Germany Um, uh, Bavaria kind of region about a man and they they always push and that was interesting because they always sort of push the boundaries of fantasy but never quite go there and I was like okay there's got to be some backstory to this Uh, so I went to his website and he does the same thing he attributes playing uh, fantasy role-playing games to him being a writer and so in his first novel uh, the main character is a uh, he's an executioner he's a hangman uh, and he is um uh, tasked with hunting down and killing this witch uh when he finally meets her, he realizes that she probably is not a witch and tries to help protect her and 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 uh clear her name as it were but there's always those subtle things in those that you you it kind of makes you question like are you a huge fantasy fan? Have you done some things so there's a lot of authors out there right now that 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 really um, uh, say, you know, that, that those kind of things have helped them become better writers and storytellers. And, um, yeah. that would be one thing I would, I would suggest to anybody who wants to be a writer is to read, read everything you can get your hands on. Um, because then you get to see the way different ways stories are told. Um, you get to see how, um, uh, how different plots are developed. Um, and so I, I would recommend reading everything from fantasy to horror to thrillers to nonfiction to kind of, you know, figure out where your groove is and and, and determine how it is you want to write and what you want to write and what things you're comfortable with and yeah. see different styles and stuff as well too. But, uh, yeah, that would be a bit of advice, I guess. Yeah.
0: You know, it's interesting because um, – short version. uh, I started writing uh, romance novels because I just happened to know a whole bunch of people who were writing romance as opposed to something else. In fact, the first group of writers that I um, was friends with were uh, Christian romance authors. And so I was kind of trying that and, um, you know, I got some feedback from, from editors. They liked my writing style, but did I know that I couldn't say this or I couldn't do that in a Christian book? I'm like, oh, I do that, but okay. I didn't know that you couldn't do that, you know, and then I went to regular romance and, but then I started noticing that um, even though I enjoy it and I'm, I mean, you, you know me and John well enough to know that an awful lot of my romance and romantic comedy, you know, kind of comes from my personal life. (laughs) So it's not, it's not uh, difficult for me to come up with these stories, but like during my free time when I'm not um, studying, a particular book you know for purposes of um writing my books better or whatever like right this second i'm reading the dead zone by stephen king i've got um the third book in the uh, assassins um robin hobb um oh sure Uh, Assassin's Apprentice, but the third book (laughs) in my, in that's, that one's next, but it's 800 pages. So I can't take it with me to Germany. (laughs) And then um, book, what number am I on right now? 14 or 15, 14, I think of the Dresden Files series. Um, And there's a certain part of my brain that's like, why are you writing romance again? (laughs) But when I was in grad school, getting my uh, master's in creative writing, there was this one class and she made us write um something in a, a detective noir. She made it like just a scene, uh, a romance scene, a um a scene that had three drops of blood in it. Uh like all this a scene that was um like a young adult kind of flavor. Like she had us write like in eight different things. And it turned out that I was good at some things that I never would have tried. And, sure. um, and just really terrible at a couple of things that I was like, Oh, maybe I would enjoy that. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I, I can't figure out like how to kill the person or whatever.
1: Yeah. So
0: it's a shocking revelation when you just force yourself to write like a whole bunch of different genres, just a scene or two. And then, get some feedback on whether or not other people think that what you wrote was good, bad, indifferent.
1: Sure. Yeah. The, the toughest stuff that i found f- for me at least is to write fiction based on fantasy, even though fantasy is my favorite genre to read and, and especially like in role-playing games to play, I find it very difficult to write. I don't, I, I can write fantasy elements into a sort of real-world story, but to write true fantasy is really, really difficult for me. And uh, um, even as a game designer, writing, uh, like, designing worlds or coming up with ideas for different things, uh, it takes me a long time. And I feel like I do more research trying to come up with a fantasy idea (laughs) than I actually do when I'm trying to write something that's sort of, like, dressed in files and it's, like, magical things that happen in the real world kind of thing. Yes. uh, Which is odd because I've always loved fantasy and figured, oh, well, the sky's the limit. You can do anything. And I feel like there's so many more restrictions when you're writing fantasy, like pure fantasy uh, fiction, than there is to, like, just making stuff up to fit into the real world. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's fun. I like... um... I like trying all these things. I love talking to people who are also writing. So I'm very excited because I wasn't sure, like, should I ask him whether or not he's writer? Does every bookseller always get asked if they're a writer, but it sounds like you do writing as well.
1: I do. uh, I work with a few people that who don't, Um, uh, they're just purely readers. um, And, and they're happy with that. And they're happy with knowing that they, maybe they don't have the talent to write. Um, I, I think I became a bookseller because I liked to write. Uh, when I was in high school and in college, um, it was stuff I did for fun. I would write short stories. Um, I would design, you know, worlds for role-playing games. And so for me, it was always fun. And so being able to uh, share with people the books that I was reading just became a natural thing. But but I can see there's a lot of people that, I, that I've that i worked with in the industry who who are just pure readers. They just enjoy that and enjoy sharing those kinds of things. And I, I'm like, uh, I, I like you, I like to sh- talk about the, the, the craft of writing. Um, and, and one of my favorite things is like collaborative world building to actually sit down with other authors and talk about like, okay, let's create a story together. And I think that's why I'm really drawn to uh, like tabletop role-playing games is because it's a collaborative effort of creating a story and telling a, a, a bigger thing together uh, as a group. kind of thing.
0: Yeah. okay we're gonna go off on a tangent for a minute but i want to come back to book selling in a minute (laughs) okay so and then all of the tabletop gaming led you to actually write a game
1: uh i've worked (laughs) yes actually it was a little bit backwards um uh i working at the bookstore was approached by um I always call them kids. I'm in my forties. Uh, they were in their twenties. So to me, they were kids. Um, but they, they, uh, I had a group of them approach me and said they wanted to do this thing where they wanted to, um, film a live D and D game, sort of like what critical role, if anybody knows what critical role is, um, they wanted to do this thing like that. And, and they had everything taken care of, but they wanted me to come and run the game for them. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Like this is a dream. Yeah, let's do it. So we, uh, uh, the studio, it, it didn't pan out as well as, as it could have. Uh, the studio ended up being an unfinished basement and, um, the green screen was just a sheet hanging behind us. And we had, uh, like seven people with six chairs and it was, just, <laughs> it was a, it was a situation that didn't quite pan out as well as I thought. But, uh, in the meantime I had set up a YouTube channel and had commissioned some art for a logo had come up for a name with a name. Um, and because that didn't pan out, I decided, well, I might as well just do something with the YouTube channel. So I sat down with my phone actually, and began to record my thoughts on my favorite games and stuff. Um, at which point led me to uh, a gentleman named Eric bloat, uh, who runs a game out of, um, Louisville, Kentucky, called Bloat Games. And he's a small independent game designer. And he said, Hey, um, do you like 80s vampire movies? And I said, Of course. Who doesn't love 80s vampire movies? And he said, Cool. I love the stuff that you're talking about. Would you like to try and help me write a source book for this game that I have? And I said, Yeah, let's give it a whirl. So he had created a game called Dark Places and demigorgons, and it was a direct idea of, like, he had loved Stranger Things, but he was also uh, my age, so he had grown up in the 80s, and he loved things like the Goonies and E.T., and it's a game that emulates that kind of stuff, 80s, kids on bikes, crazy adventures. Yeah. So we co-wrote a vampire source book for this game, um, which led into later uh, me designing a werewolf source book as well, Uh, based on 80s werewolf movies. Um, I've worked on some superhero games. Uh, I've worked on, um, um, uh, we call it the Cryptid Manual, which is a a book of monsters for his game that was just all crazy um, Bigfoot um, chupacabra, you know, weird uh, folklore creatures and stuff. Um, And so, yeah, building from there, I'm currently working on my own project uh, but it's it's uh, one of those things that I'm just sort of doing and I have in the past he had done all the publishing and had done all I just had to write and send him my ideas Uh, so now trying to create my own I'm going through the process of learning how to um, uh, edit and and you know align things on a screen and that kind of stuff as well as well as design and create as well too but so yes I've uh, worked on several different projects um and um it's it's an amazing feeling to get something like that out there that um and and i'm sure probably the same for you when somebody comes to you and says hey i really loved your book and this is a great story and stuff as well too i love it when people come to me and like you'll never believe we used your game book to do this you know kind of thing and to tell me the stories that they've created out of the ideas that i have placed and stuff too so yeah it's an amazing feeling but
0: Okay, so this is actually, um, this isn't as much as a tangent as I thought, because now I'm thinking, we are going to come back to book selling, but sure. um, what what would you suggest to people who maybe haven't until now listening to you even had the thought yet about what sorts of things am I interested in, passionate about, that there might be some place that I can write about this thing or in this in this vein because it sounds like this was never really on your radar to do it but now you've done it a lot
1: yeah it's one of those things that you've you know growing up reading and playing games and stuff like this you always kind of dream about um but you never think that it's actually going to happen because uh, you know throughout the 80s and 90s it was always just these big companies that were producing these games and stuff right and so the dream would be like, oh, I'd have to move to, you know, Seattle to order to work for these guys and start as an intern and work my way up. But we're in a stage right now where I think that, well, first of all, being a nerd is cool.
0: Yeah, so, <laughs> which is great.
1: Uh, yes. So all those things that we've always grown up loving are now the cool things. And we can share those openly without fear of being you know, rebuked or like, you know, looked down upon. um but but also there with the ease of getting stuff published as well as i i would say as far as role-playing games we're in this golden age where there are so many options to do everything and there literally is a role-playing game for everything whether it be fantasy or science fiction or um you know detective noir stories horror um I, mm-hmm. I tried out thing.
0: some romance role-playing games. I didn't like them, but I was like, I didn't even know this existed.
1: <laughs> sure. Um, in fact, um, one project I kind of want to plug real quick, and it's it's not mine at all. Uh, a friend of mine, Christopher Gray, has created a role-playing game that was just a successful Kickstarter, uh, and it's called The Great American Novel Role-Playing Game. Really? And it is the most fun I have ever had playing a game. Uh, so basically, when you sit down to play, as a group, you decide what sort of American novel genre you want to play. And then you create characters within that genre and then play out, uh, you know, a scene as if you were playing through chapters in a book. So yeah. one of the ones we played were the God, we, like the idea we came up with was the Godfather. We wanted to do these mafia families, you know, kind of set in, after World War II. Um, and it's amazing. And he's told me about, you know, they they've done stuff like, um, Scarlet Letter and they've done things like uh, one of the ones he said he had the most fun with was um, The Shining <laughs> where all the players were playing uh, authors who were going to a writing retreat that just happened to be at the Overlook Hotel. Oh um, my gosh! So it, there's there literally is, uh, if you're looking to write, if you're looking to design um, I'd highly suggest looking into role playing games or storytelling games or you know whatever uh sort of genre you want to fall into but i think that there's a really great collaborative storytelling is a great way to come up with ideas and to flex your uh your imagination as well as work on improv skills which i found for me in writing has helped a lot um you know you get into a bind where you you're just not really sure what direction you want the story to go and ability to sort of improv, you're able to make things happen a little, a little easier, but, uh, yeah, yeah, so I would highly recommend, um, at least just trying out a session of Dungeons and Dragons or whatever, you know, whatever you can find, whatever you're, you're interested in, so.
0: Right, right, oh, wow, this is so cool. (laughs) Okay, so let's swing back around for a second. Um, One of the things that I know only a little bit about, which means that I probably have all the details um, screwed up and I really don't know anything, <laughs> is um, what is the life of a bookseller? S- so for instance, um, you sell Sorry, you buy and then sell books, but you have to make some choices based on um, probably your location, the kind of um, clientele that you have. You have to be business-minded. You can't just buy all the books that you think would be good. So tell us, how does being a bookseller work so that we can understand it better as authors?
1: So for the store that I work for, which is really, really nice, is that being an independent bookstore, we get to choose the things that we want to have on our shelves. So one of the things that I that was really frustrating about working for Borders being such a large corporation that it was, we didn't really have as booksellers, we didn't really have a choice of what we carried on the shelves. That was made a decision made by somebody, you know, in an office in a different city somewhere else. Okay. Um, and so for us, what's really nice is that most of the booksellers we have in the store now all have a different sort of passion or specialty that they that they drive from. So we have uh, two people that are strictly children's specialists. And we have somebody who's a literature specialist. And and so we're all able to sort of um, collaboratively say, hey, you know, I think we should carry X, Y, and Z on the shelves. Um, now we draw from larger distribution houses and stuff for the major type things like, you know, like James Patterson we're going to get from, you know, a distribution house. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to local stuff, we uh, collaboratively, collaboratively again look at those things and say, is this something that's you know fits well with us, um, or you know can we direct you to someplace else in town that might be better suited to you? That kind of thing as well too. Um, so it's a nice, um, it's nice being able to be actively involved in that process of being you know being able to choose what we think is best and what people will want to see as well too. And we yeah. truly we really try to. Uh, our store is not huge. Uh, so we do have a limited space, so we do try to keep the best stuff that we think uh, people really want and and are looking for on our shelves as well too. So,
0: it's okay. the nice thing
1: about the independent store is that we get to sort of have an active hand in that.
0: Yeah, it does sound like a lot more fun. <laughs> I worked at a uh, Walden Books when I was in college. The Walden, Walden Books in the Cherryland Mall <laughs> oh, before they yeah. Yeah, yeah became dead also, but <laughs> um, yeah, I I think I spent probably. of my paycheck buying books because I had a discount, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, we had no choices at all as to what was going to come in. Um, however, I know that there was, um, some, this is some flexibility with management, of which I was like on the lowest, lowest of the low. So I only knew about it a little bit. That um, whatever our location happened to sell a lot of, we would get more of that sort of thing. So um, does that also work? I assume that is similar in an independent store.
1: Yeah, for the most part, um, we uh, we. I have... mean, if nobody
0: came in to buy children's books, you just wouldn't stock as many, right?
1: Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, that's, you know, we have, we, we, we are sort of a a general bookstore, so we have everything from fiction and, um, uh, fantasy. We break it down fantasy, um, romance, horror, that kind of stuff, as well as children's history. Um, but yeah, you're right. There are certain things, especially there's a small store in town called higher self, which specializes in spirituality and, um, you know, tarot readings and that kind of stuff. So our section for that is very small. We just don't have a lot of people that come to us for those kinds of things. Or if they do, we, you know, we try to direct them to somebody who knows much more about that than what, than what we do. Um, so yeah, we have a pretty good hand. Uh, I guess one of the things I would, would say if you're looking at maybe becoming a bookseller, um, is that it's a, it's a tough job. It's, I mean, um, uh, it's not only is it a retail job, which can be pretty, you know, stress uh, indu- inducing at times, uh, especially in the midst of summer uh, as it is here. Yeah. um it's uh, it can be pretty crazy, uh, but also because it's not like there's a lot to know. Uh, and while you can't read everything, uh, you know, a lot of us try to make sure that we read a lot of reviews on different things that we might not read uh, normally, just so that we have a nice well-rounded sort of field knowledge because you know you'll, you'll you'll run into a lot of people who are looking for something that's kind of outside of your field um, but you you feel like you you know you should at least have some general knowledge of certain what the best sellers are and um, you know what's really popular in a certain genre and that kind of stuff as well so yeah
0: all right. So um, I'm looking at the time and uh, so many questions, but uh, let's, uh, let's pull a couple more from my list of things that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Um, so let's say that a traditionally published or a self-published author, whatever, someone, the author in the book and brilliant books, they come together and they're like, okay, we, we see a win-win scenario in I don't know, doing a book signing or doing something, I'm not even sure exactly what uh, your store would would do, but um, how, how would that work or what would you be looking for in a book or author um, that might be good advice for people listening, even though understandably the stores that other people live near might look at it a little differently, but in general, what do you think?
1: Sure. Uh, well, one of the things we always, like I said, we go, we, we always send people to our, we have a webpage, um, and there's, there's a select page on there, um, for, for authors to look at, um, you know, we want, we want to make sure that the book is of, of at least of, of quality that fits with the other books that we sell as well too. And I don't mean just like, um, uh, you know, writing quality wise, I'm talking about like some of the self-publishing, self-publishing services can be a little iffy like when you get a copy of it you can tell that it's not you know a super high but there's a lot of them out there uh lulu uh and several others that do really really high quality uh, bindings and 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 covers and stuff as well too um but then what we generally do is that um uh once we receive an email from you things we like to see is that you're actively trying to promote the book as well too so to have a web page for your own book or to have some kind of media like maybe even like a a book trailer, which are really huge right now. Um, you'll see them all over YouTube, but people will actually put together almost like a movie trailer for their book to kind of promote it. Um, and uh, I think in the kind of world that we're in today where people love the streaming media services and stuff, yeah. that to have a book trailer for your book is really kind of a key thing. Uh, but we'll take a look at that and, um, uh, we'll sit down with the owner and we'll sit down with uh, our marketing person and they'll put together a thing and, um, you know, if, it's, if, you, if, if, if it's an author that lives nearby or is in the area that we have a time slot available for, a lot of times we'll set up a signing. Um, um, sometimes, uh, depending on if it works out, uh, we, we'll do like a, um, an actual event where rather than just signing your book, you'll come in and actually read from it and we'll have, you know, snacks and drinks and stuff available and, and draw a crowd. And uh, you can more, it's a more of an interactive type of an experience. Yeah. As opposed to just setting up a signing table and having you uh, sign stuff for us, but um, it's it's a bit of a process. But we again we want to make sure that um, you know the author is treated well, as well as you know the customers, and we want to make sure that that blend is is uh, is a nice marriage between the two. So.
0: Yeah, excellent. And then what do you think, um, it's funny the things that authors get um, a little panicky about. Um, and one of them, I've, I've heard this from several people, like what's the appropriate way to thank the bookstore or the bookseller, um, you know, the person that you worked with so that it's not too much or, and and it's also not too little. And there's, there's always a lot of angst as to how do, how do I show my appreciation without coming off as like desperately grateful or just being a jerk and not being, not acting like I'm grateful enough.
1: (laughs) Sure. Uh, I, 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 again, the other thing I would really say is to be patient with us because sometimes it does take a little bit of time Um, so, um, you know, uh, to, to wait, to hear from us, I guess, uh, is a big thing. Um, we love it when authors send us cards after an event. Um, that just, that, that feels good to us. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything extravagant. It doesn't have to be flowers or candy or anything. Uh, but just a thank you card after an event is always really, really nice. Um, we love it when authors, cause for every event, we will create a poster to promote the event and stuff. Uh, We love it when authors sign those things for us with little notes and everything. We have a wall uh, uh, in the back room that is all the different authors that have visited the store and stuff as well. Nice. Um, So we love, we love authors and it's, it's kind of one of those things that um, without authors, we wouldn't have a store and, you know, without a store, we wouldn't have authors. And so um, we we do love to interact with people and, uh, and writers and as customers and, um, so I, I would say just as subtle as possible, just, you know, a thank you note here and there um, is always just a nice thing to know that they're, they had a good time and that, um, you know, that, that uh, we're looking forward to working further in the future and stuff as well. So.
0: Awesome. Very nice. Now, um, I am going to ask you about your YouTube channel in a minute, but let's kind yeah. of finish up with the bookstore. Is there anything else that you wish authors knew that you like had in mind? Like, I need to say this. <laughs> Um,
1: hmm.
0: I've asked you a lot of questions and you've given us a lot of help, which is great.
1: I think, um, I, I, the biggest thing would be patience. I, I, I reiterate that again as well. Um, but, um, you know, be, uh, sometimes it's really nice when authors, especially local authors, uh, even authors out from outside, um, um, Right now, uh, independent bookstores are on the climb. They're sort of making a rebound. Uh, there was a time when um, you know, the bigger stores like, and I, and I hate to call out Borders and Barnes and & Noble because they're great stores, but they were sort of the kings of, of things for a long time. Um, and with, uh, well, with, with Borders collapsing, um, I think a lot of people have come back to the idea of wanting a curated service where they can come into a store and actually talk to a bookseller who's knowledgeable about books. Um, and so I guess as an author, we appreciate you if you support the independent bookstores as well. Um, so think of us, you know, first maybe when when it comes to like, hey, where would I like my book to be sold? Um, to think of the people on the local level. And, you know, not just brilliant books, but if you have a, a local bookstore in your area, please support them because uh, I really think that those are the places that you can go and get quality service when it comes to like looking for, um, um, you know, and a curated list or something. Um, and if you're nice to us, we'll sell your books. I mean, (laughs) um, you know, if you're, if you're kind to us and patient to us and you support us, um, we will make sure that your book gets into the hand of people who want it. So nice. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah, if it wasn't for you, I mean, we're Facebook friends as well. So it's um maybe not quite the same as if I were walking into brilliant books. But um, you're the reason why I decided to read the book version of Bird Box, the Netflix okay. movie. Okay. And I was like, Oh, I love this, too. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and that's the great thing, too, is that, um you know, when we get to meet authors, uh, we luckily here in Trevor City have a thing called the National Writers Series, which we are not Sort of affiliated with, but because we're so close to the place it takes, you know, the location it takes place at, uh, we have a deal that the authors will all stop by our store on their way there to sign any copies that we have. Because um, a lot of people, the place that they hold at the Opera House is is a beautiful place, but it doesn't hold a ton of people. And so some people may not have a chance to, to get a ticket to be able to go in there. Uh, or they may have just missed the date. And so we always try to make sure that we have some of those signed things available for those kinds of things. And actually Josh Mallerman, uh, I got to know him pretty well because he had come uh, through Traverse City uh, on his way to a different event um, and uh, just a super great guy. So if you're an author and you're in a town, stop by a bookstore because we love meeting authors. It's one of our favorite things to do. Um, and and uh, to get to know, it's so much easier to sell a book if you've talked to the author and you know their perspective on the book as well too so
0: right right that's a good point and you know um just to kind of reiterate that um listening to you talk i was like oh yeah my friend lorraine snelling writes um christian um some of its romance i think mostly it would be considered women's fiction you know it's um um Historical, like when people came to uh, America, you know, from other countries and tried to make a life and stuff. Yeah. So that sort of thing. I'm really messing up how to describe (laughs) that. (laughs) But anyway, um, because uh, she originally started out with um, people who were... a fictional version of her own ancestors and it was in the Dakotas. Like she made a point of making sure that bookstores in the Dakotas were aware of these books and stuff. But then she like also like would travel there. She would specifically go from California to North Dakota, not necessarily stopping at other bigger bookstores in between. And they became such good friends and just loved her and she loved them that um, so many things have grown out of that. So, I mean, um, Small beginnings can become, they may just be great or they may become something ginormous. Like a town asked if they could, a very little town, you and I are from small towns, um, a very little town asked if they could um, have like a festival where their town would be the town in one of her books. Like they would oh, just rename sure. it for that festival that they would be the the blessing festival uh, yeah. in Blessing North Dakota, which isn't a real town and and they would like do all these things with um you know you know Norwegian heritage stuff and Lorraine would come and she would be a big part of it for a couple of days every year and uh, like somebody wrote a play based on one of her wow. uh, books, and it was just shown in this little town, you know <laughs> sure. So you just never know what will happen if you just like make friends with people. <laughs> sure.
1: And that's uh, I, I think the great thing about um, the, where we're at in our society today with things like with, you know, Facebook and um, Instagram and stuff is it's really easy to connect with people. And um, yeah, like I said, as booksellers, uh, we love interacting with authors and we love that, you know, becoming friends and forming in those relationships with people. And in that, yeah, th- great things could happen. In fact, uh, one of our local authors, um, uh, here has, he's, he's created a series of sort of murder mysteries that take place in Northern Michigan. And, um, and, uh, Aaron Stander, I'll, I'll drop his name out there. Uh, awesome. so definitely whether you be like, <clears throat> excuse me, if you like murder mysteries that take place in Michigan, he's one of the, one of the best, Sweet. um, but our bookstore is actually featured in one of his stories. Um, <gasps> And so That's it's so really cool. yeah, so it's really it's really fun uh to to have those relationships with people and and um you know make those rela- those those connections with booksellers and stuff um and yeah, I, you know the one of the the funniest jokes is that um you know I'm a writer, and if you' make me mad, you'll be you know the villain in one of my books and stuff Yes. In the uh so yeah, no, it's great having those relationships and and um and you're right, it, small things like that, like even though he doesn't call it Traverse City, he calls it Cedarville. Um, it's, you know, we, we all know uh, the, the secret joke behind it. So, um, yeah. and it's, and, you know, things even like uh, what you were mentioning the Dresden files and stuff as well. Um, I don't know if they still do it, but you used to be able to go to Chicago and they would have tours that would take you around to show you the places that he talks about in his books. Um, and, you know, there's other authors like Kara Black, who writes mysteries that take place just in France. Um, and she had a contest a few years ago. Where she would take a handful of people to France and show them all the places that she wrote about.
0: Oh my! And God.
1: so yeah, so there's a, there's a great connection between readers and booksellers and authors that I think that can make a beautiful relationship and make and a, you know make the, those situations much bigger and, yeah. and more profitable as well.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, I um I admit. Uh, <laughs> can't talk. I originally um, called Traverse City something else that I can't even remember in my first uh, romantic comedy, Uh, Little Miss Lovesick, because I thought, oh, you know, I probably should just like keep everything general and then I don't have to remember what street something's on. But then my readers who at that point, you know, were a much smaller group of people who mostly, you know, knew me personally or knew Traverse City personally or one or the other, they were like, why don't you just call it Traverse City? And I'm like, Okay, I can't think of a legal reason why not to. Sure. So I left the superhero books in Double Bay, Michigan, because I figured, I don't think that I should just be killing people in Trevor City. That seems like a bad <laughs> idea, especially if I need to like do something with a, you know, a politician or a police officer or something to be a bad guy. I don't want to do it in a real town that I'm from that I love. <laughs>
1: sure.
0: yeah. But the romantic comedies, it was because of readers that I finally went ahead. And um, I actually reissued the book, um, making – vague street names into real street names and then i had to get a traverse city map and make sure that i had everything exactly right
1: sure sure it's fun yeah because readers readers are very keen on those kinds of things and they'll pick up on a lot of stuff that you might miss like whether or not like wadsworth and washington are parallel to each other you know they will pull out and they'll, they'll call you out on those little details as well so
0: it's, it's fun. It can be sometimes slightly annoying, but also it's like, okay, but I love you for doing that because I know <laughs> I want to fix it. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. This, as I suspected, is probably um, pushing us towards our limit of, of time here only because there's so many interesting things to talk to you about it. So I'm going to ask you, where can people find out more about you and, and the things that you do online? And I really want you to tell us a little bit about QuestWise so that... Um, people who might be interested can go check it out.
1: So I alluded a little bit earlier to the, to the YouTube channel. Uh, I ended up calling it Questwise wise um, for a couple of different reasons. Um, I've always been enthralled by um, classic literature uh, as far back as like, even like the Greek and Roman, like the Iliad, um, Arthurian romances, that kind of stuff. And the idea that people would go on quests and that they would have these um, these journeys, then it wasn't always so much the destination. It was about the, the, the experiences they had along that journey and stuff. Uh, and to be wise is to, uh, kind of a two sided thing, uh, to, to have knowledge of something, but also to go in a sort of direction in, in, in North wise direction. Um, so quest wise was kind of the idea that I came up with that I wanted to take people on, uh, Journeys and show them how to take their own journeys by using role playing games to tell these stories. Um, one of the things I found when I was starting to write was that I lost, I don't want to say I lost interest, but um, I, I have like adult onset ADD. I get so, there's so much great stuff out there that I, it's hard for me to focus on one thing for a very long time. Uh, so when I was writing, um, I'm, I, I really love writing short stories because it's easier to encapsulate something, you know, into a small period, but to write a novel after about, you know, a hundred pages. So I'll be like, okay, I really want to skip. I want to do something different now. Uh, So what what I found with role-playing games is that I could tell the stories I wanted to tell and you could do them in small chunks. And you were also going along on that journey with other people and they were helping you collaboratively tell those stories. Uh, So what I do on Questwise is that I, take a look at the things that interest me most. And I do reviews on those games. Um, I might do some uh, uh, discussions on how to make your games better, uh, how to work on improv, how to write your own sort of tales and stories. Um, But I really, and again, it's almost like the bookseller ideas. I love working with uh, writers and designers in talking about their games and helping them get their games Uh, to the wider audience. So I'll work with people who are maybe doing a Kickstarter or have just started their own sort of small independent publishing company um, and will promote their product for them and just say, hey, this is really cool. You should check it out if you've never heard of this. Uh, You know, if you're a fan of X, you might be a fan of Y kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: And so that's mostly what the channel is. And it's just me talking about the things that I love. And I always try to make that a, a big point that um, you know, if you like the things that I like, then you'll probably love this kind of thing. Um, and so, uh, you can usually see I usually film on Mondays, and I usually post videos on Mondays and Tuesdays as well. But um, it's just uh, YouTube.com/backslash/Questwise. Uh, uh, you can also find me on on uh, Facebook the same way, under Questwise as well. Too. Questwise. Yep.
0: Excellent. Well, this is great. Thank you so much. And Thank if anybody you. wants to come and and shake your hand and and um, you know check out Brilliant Books, you're in Traverse City on the Main Drag, right there on Front Street. We are yep.
1: one at one eighteen East Front Street. Uh, you can find us online at uh, brilliant-books.net. Uh, one of the things that we do to try to keep up with the modern times is that we um, our, our tagline is uh, we are your long distance local bookstore. So if you don't have a bookstore in the town that you live what we do is we ship anywhere in the United States and we do it as a complimentary service to make sure you can get the books that you want when you need them. So,
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. I
1: totally have
0: to promote you to everyone. <laughs> thank you. Nice. Oh, if only I didn't leave in Sweden.
1: <laughs> uh, someday, someday you'll be back.
0: That's right. That's right. Oh, listen, Jody, this was really, really fun. And I know that it's totally helpful for so many people listening. So thank you so much for sharing thank everything. You
1: yeah so uh yeah thanks i appreciate everything and uh um one of the things i always wanted to share and i always try to share this as much as possible Uh, one of my favorite quotes is from stephen king where he said there are other worlds than these go explore them